Funding for the Hinckley Report and this podcast is made possible in part by the Cleone Peterson Eccles Endowment Fund and AARP Utah. Thank you for listening to the Hinckley Report, your weekly political roundup. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Tonight on the Hinckley Report, after a tumultuous year in politics, our panel weighs in on the top stories that had the biggest impact on Utahns. With new leaders in key positions, how have their policies impacted our state? As debates raged over science and politics, what lessons were learned? And with partisan rancor at historic levels, is there any room left for civility? Good evening and welcome to the Hinckley Report. I'm Jason Perry, director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics. Joining our panel tonight, we have Kate Bradshaw, member of the Bountiful City Council, Lindsay Whitehurst, reporter with the Associated Press, and Matt Canham, senior reporter with the Salt Lake Tribune. Thank you for being with us. This is an important show for us tonight. This is our year in review. We're gonna talk about the big stories of the year and what's interesting is as we think about this, this particular show, almost any one of these stories we're gonna talk about tonight could be the story of the year. So many to talk about, but there are many that impact us on the national stage, the worldwide stage, but particularly on the Utah stage. And you all have covered stories so well this year. So I wanna talk about what you think the big stories were and some of the implications. Matt, let's start with you. Uh, you've done some just some great reporting this past year. When you put all these stories there, give us one that you'd like to talk about that was particularly impactful that you covered. I would say the biggest story of the year happened just six days into this year when thousands of pro-Donald Trump protesters attacked our U.S. Capitol. It was stunning to see, sickening to see. I was a D.C. correspondent for seven years, and that's where I worked. The Capitol Police shot and killed a woman at the Speaker's lobby. That is where reporters interact with members of the House. In a regular day, I was there multiple times a day. It was stunning, and there were ties to every state in the nation, including Utah. A half dozen Utahns were among those who broke into the Capitol and now face federal charges. You had the President, Donald Trump, call Mike Lee on the Senate floor. Now, that might have been an accidental call, but reporting since has shown that the president and his team were lobbying Mike Lee to try to overthrow the election. And I will point out that Mike Lee voted to uh, accept the electoral votes of every state. He did not go into that, but he was getting pressured. You had a Capitol Police officer potentially save Mitt Romney's life by directing him away from the people who were storming the Capitol. It was an absolutely stunning day. Yeah, it was. Lindsay, talk about uh, Mitt Romney there for just a moment because it was it was historic it, This uh, and the response that came and his response was particularly pointed. Right, and, I, and it, it came down to um, anger, frustration, and and a little bit of um, "I told you so." That 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 warning he gave years ago that that this he was afraid of perhaps not something like this because I don't know if anyone imagined something like this happening. But 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 this is where this rhetoric takes us. It seemed to be his message that day, and and this is one of of many stories that we're talking about as a major story for for this year. It's not over yet. It, we keep learning new information and. 
and 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 charges are still new charges are still coming down against people who entered the building. Maybe there are suspects who haven't been charged yet, um, and and so so the, some some of the lower level folks are being sentenced now, and and some of those higher level people who are accused of more serious crimes have yet to even even come to uh, have, have yet to come to a head. So we're we're still seeing those cases play out in the criminal justice system. Mm -hmm. We're still seeing an inquiry in Congress and learning new things that the text messages that are coming out. So we are definitely going to still be talking about this in 2022. And um, and and I think I remember the feeling I had um, here in Utah was was just going trying to go about my day, but just feeling ill. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that feeling? Yeah. I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I um, you know long ago I interned in Washington D.C. I remember looking. I, my office was in the Cannon Building, and so I remember looking at those crowds and knowing exactly where that office was I worked at and you know being involved in Utah politics I have a number of, of very good friends that are on staff for our Utah delegation and, and texting them to make sure they were okay yeah. and being very worried because a number of them were in the Capitol and so there was that that added element of, of horror but you know at a distance right. being here in Utah but then knowing that I had people I deeply cared about that were inside that building that I was you know really worried about that day yeah so that there was the the health and safety which we we, we felt also but from the the conversation for some elected officials Kate too was interesting so on the Mitt Romney side it was not only are, are we risking lives but this was in his words an attack against our democracy Right. Uh, the foundations of our Absolutely. government itself. Yeah, we, we, we pride ourselves on that peaceful transition of power. It allows us this stability, financial stability and political stability, um, that, that, that even when you when your team has lost, that you can accept that and move on and continue to build for that next election cycle. And that has allowed us to have tremendous prosperity for, for the whole history of our country, that and we are able to do this. support our image around the world. Yes, and we, we almost weren't able to do that. And, it, and it, I think it was... Um, it, it was it was scary as a, as, a, as a citizen, but you know, for every level of government, whether you accept a city council race mm -hmm. or or a governor's race or a presidential race, it, you know, we we are layered on that system of those transitions, and we we came close to not mm -hmm. doing that, and I, I think that scared a lot of us, and, and was you know, as Senator Romney said, something that struck at the heart of mm -hmm. who we think we are and who we tell the rest of the world we are. Mm -hmm. Matt, as you interviewed people in the state of Utah, is, is this the, the feeling you're getting from them? I'm just kind of curious, when you're talking to them, the impacts? You know, the impacts change over time. And there are people who don't look at it as, as a significant, um, or as, as a significant event as maybe I would. Um, it's become political, right? You had, there was a moment where Congress said, we need a commission to investigate this. And you had Representative Blake Moore and John Curtis from the Utah vote for that. They were some of the few Republicans who did. But the Republicans in Congress blocked that commission from happening. There's now a committee in the House doing that investigation. It is, it is bipartisan because there's two Republicans on it, mm -hmm. most famously Liz Cheney from Wyoming. But both parties are not treating this as the same sort of attack on the democracy at this point. But it, it has soured relationships in Washington, even though I didn't know that was possible for those mm -hmm. things to become more tense. It has. And what it actually means for our country, how this goes forward, um, politically is still up in the air. Criminally, and the Justice Department has called this the biggest investigation mm -hmm. in its history into you know hundreds and hundreds of people, I mean, thousands of people marched in there. Some of them had weapons, some of them uh, stormed the House and Senate chambers. Uh, they called out the names of politicians. There was a, you know, 
had a noose that they were carrying yeah. around, calling for the vice president. Like, it's, it, there's video. It's, it's stunning to, to see it, but the politics of it have overtaken that exact moment. Uh -huh. Just one last piece on this, too. Um, and Kate, talk about this, because the election, the results were accepted, the Electoral College here, which is which are the heart of some of this, but it wasn't exactly unanimous. There were some states and some members of Congress there were there were some there were some states um, that that uh, felt like maybe there had been irregularities. Mm -hmm. uh, those have not necessarily proven out on a further analysis and study, um, but those ripples are still playing out not just from you know that 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 day on January sixth, but you have had different states that have had you know Arizona for instance mm -hmm. that have had um, their their legislatures looking at at um, uh, election audits and wanting to do that, and that has continued to kind of foment some of this trust in our election process. And and um, you know Utah is, hasn't been immune. You know we've had um, you know legislators that have wanted to mm -hmm. have the the Utah legislature do something similar. Um, there well, has be an audit now. Yeah, there, there is now a, a legislative audit mm -hmm. of, of the election process that is moving forward. And you have concern from um, our governor, our lieutenant governor in particular, Deidre Henderson, whose office is over elections, um, sounding a, a note of concern and a note of caution mm -hmm. about. Um, basing any of these things off of off of unfounded uh, you know questions and that 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 starts to erode a, a foundation of trust and that that is a it should be only undertaken with the greatest care mm -hmm. and I, I spoke with her a little bit about this and she's deeply concerned she's deeply concerned about that you, when you keep putting this out there as if there should be some, some sort of concern, you're, you're creating a situation where people may feel like, well, if there's all this smoke, there must be some kind of fire, even though there's not any kind of evidence there. And she, she is really worried that all of these questions from, from um, a few different people, a few different quarters, will, will really um, wrongly erode confidence in our, yeah. our system. Yeah, in, in the interest of this election security, as they're talking about the integrity of it, we'll, we'll see what happens with our own legislature, as you mentioned is we may see a bill on that very that very issue going forward based on this audit that's about to come. Okay, Lindsay, some big story you've covered that, of, of impact that we should be discussing. You know, one, one story that I, uh, I was really proud of this year and I think helped start a, a big conversation was about the, the Great Salt Lake this year. Oh, yeah. that, that, and of course, our whole region, including Utah, is undergoing a historic mega drought. And, um, and the Great Salt Lake, one of our most well-known, iconic uh, natural features is, is shrinking, hit its lowest level ever this year. And, um, and that's, it's, it has something like $1.3 billion of economic impact. It's, it, it, there are some, some potential dangers if if that shrinking continues of dust and things like that and um, and that's something that's really kicked off a big conversation the governor wants to spend some money to save the Great Salt Lake and there's a real tension there between how do we make sure the humans have enough water and how do we make sure that the Great Salt Lake and all the other and you know other iconic natural wonders in our state are also taken care of and, and don't shrink with with this with the climate change uh, challenge that we're all facing right now and so so for me that was that was a big one um, that that I think is important in a really you know long term sort of sort of sense of for our state uh -huh. we've been in a drought for years. Like you said, this is a mega drought, but this is the first year we had our political leaders say, you need to restrict your watering of your lawn to two times a week. You right. need to take action. This isn't just uh, 
this isn't just wait till the next rainstorm. And this is a big deal for Utah because right. we like our green lawns here, you know? But <laughs> I think this is gonna be a marker. This will be a year that we look back and say that's when it started. That's when our government started taking more significant action. That's when our government required us to take more significant action to make sure that as Utah continues to grow, and it will. One of the fastest growing states and one of the driest. That we can have enough water. You know, and, and it, it was impactful, not just, you know, from the, the state leaders urging us to do caution, but from a local government perspective, um, I have never had more conversations yeah. with my constituents about how we were watering our parks. Yeah. Um, whether or not we ought to keep splash pads open, and, and, you know, in a record hot summer, um, yeah. as well, uh, where people are still concerned about how they recreate and safely recreating with COVID, um, outdoor activities still felt safest. Outdoor activities in the summer are hot. And so we had, we were having conversations throughout the summer with our residents about, um, you know, where we were cutting back, how we were handling golf courses, how we were handling splash pads, um, how we were watering turf that, that kids were playing on for, for sports um, and trying to uh, take care of high use areas, but let other, you know, other areas inside parks and things like that go and become, you know, proudly brown mm -hmm. <laughs> um, as part of those conversations. But it was, um, it, it was very much on the minds of, of local governments in a way that in my council mm -hmm. service ha has not been uh, a significant conversation we had. Mm -hmm. Kay, uh, you work so closely with the legislature. Uh, put this in context about what they're willing to do. Significantly, uh, the governor, even when he released his budget this past week and a half, did it from the banks of the Great Salt Lake. Absolutely, you know, and he has put money in his proposed budget to study, to preserve. Uh, that is a key signifier. Interestingly, um, Speaker Brad Wilson, whose district includes Antelope Island, um, you know, so it's a significant uh, part of his district, um, has announced that he's hosting a summit uh, on the Great Salt Lake for January 5th, which is which is the first time we've done that. So you have, I think, um, absolute interest and concern from the governor willing to put, you know, his, his uh, budget dollars where his mouth is on saying this is a priority. You have um, the legislature signaling they agree. Um, so usually when you start to see that type of agreement, we can expect bills in action um, this coming legislative session. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just knocking on wood yeah, over yeah, here. We'll yeah, see yeah, I guess yeah. <laughs> I, I it's all going to play out, right? Before we leave that one really quick, just kind of talk about the arc of this this issue, uh, Matt, because um, the Republicans are on board. This has ended up being an issue that is not partisan necessarily, which has not been the case for well, for a long time. Well, I mean, when you look at just climate change or water conservation, you know, Utah has had, um, has not been overly aggressive as some states have been. And, but there has been increasing talk of what kind of state do we want to have? What kind of growth do we want to have? We know we're marching mm -hmm. forward with a bigger population. We know the state's changing. We can track the weather. There's a point where it's, you have to take action, and our government has acknowledged that, and I think that's a great first step. What that actually is, is it aggressive enough? Is it, you know, what does it mean for individuals or industries or companies? You know, these are the debates we're gonna see in our legislature and in the public sphere, and as I said, this will be a turning point because we're going to have these conversations for years, if not decades to come. Isn't it interesting the arc that this has followed because one of the, um, you know, big events of, of the early years of my life were the floods of 83, yeah. and they have always been this thing we've talked about, the pumps at the Great Salt Lake, you know, um, you know, just the, the epic water, and, and just to see us move from, we certainly don't need pumps right now, um, <laughs> we need the opposite, and, and it's just an interesting uh, arc to follow that we are now
going to have this serious conversation, yeah. and we we desperately need to have it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Kate, you're up. You know. I had hoped that in 2021 that we wouldn't necessarily need to talk about uh, COVID as a big story, but it continues to be something that is incredibly impactful in, in my life uh, from a personal perspective, from a local government perspective, and from what I'm seeing up at the Capitol, how we continue to handle COVID, the, the, the incredible high numbers we still are seeing in our hospital uh, systems. Um, you know, new letters of the Greek alphabet for variants that I didn't yeah. I didn't know before. Uh, you know, Sadly, we, got, we're to, we got to O, and, and so that continues, I think, to be something that is so important, and it and it touches so many factors. We were, you know, I was talking about how I I started holiday shopping um, in the summer because of those worries about how it is playing into our economic situation, and so I, that. Uh, unfortunately, I, I hope someday we do this show in, 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 a, in the new year and uh, we don't need to talk about it. Mm -hmm. But I still think that is one of the biggest things that we have facing us and it has continued to dominate every facet of our lives yeah. in this year. True, true. And the impact on healthcare workers, I mean, the uh, hospitals are, are still full and, um, and how how that level of stress and even you know the politics also enter into it too right you hear about healthcare workers who who have some some uh, verbal abuse even kind of thrown at them because they're sort of associated with this pandemic that everyone feels exhausted by and some people feel like has you know some some all kinds of different implications for different people and and that's one thing one one element of this that makes me especially sad is to see these folks who are working so hard who are some of the heroes in all of this you know at times be be also the on the receiving end of, of some of the the anger people have about everything that's that's going on I think that's that's an aspect that that I would hope if, if there's anything in 2022 we could, we, so many things we want to see improved, but that that would be one that I would I yeah. would love to see. Was, you know. Yeah, I was going to add that when I think of the coronavirus this year, I think about the vaccines, and we have seen demographics and politics play into who gets vaccinated and who doesn't. If you take Salt Lake County, the East Bench and the more liberal areas are more vaccinated than people who live on the West Side, which are lower socioeconomic status, more diverse and people who live in the south end of the valley, which is more conservative. And you, that plays out not just in Utah, but in the United States of America. And I would think, I think it's very interesting when you have the governor telling people to get vaccinated, all of our congressional delegation telling people that they got vaccinated and they mm -hmm. encourage it. You have the uh, president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints encouraging people to get vaccinated. And we're below the national average. Like it shows the power of politics in today's day and age that it still there's people who are concerned about it because what they get from the news they consume and and that vaccination rate will play a role into when this ends. Uh, and it's a story that we've seen unfold during this year. Uh, Lindsay, I want to get to one more aspect of this, too, uh, which we've, we've talked about in the show, even with you at some point is. Um, kind of brings up the question, who, who makes the decisions? You know, when it comes to vaccine mandates, as, as Matt was just talking about, it's just so interesting. We have the president of the United States putting some uh, ma mandates into place, which have been challenged, of course, very quickly. Most of them stayed. Our legislature has some thoughts about who should. The governor, for a while, had some questions about whether or not he was able to do it. Talk about that exchange just a little bit, too. Is it more clear now? Who gets to make these calls? In in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. And and of course, the thing that's most unclear and well, that always feels unclear is like, 
what should the calls be, right? <laughs> it's always, always hard, like it feels like the line is always moving. But of course, one thing, one big one we saw was about schools and masks at the beginning of the year before a lot of school kids could get vaccinated. And there was the law basically saying that, that school districts couldn't do their own masks. And you saw the mayor of Salt Lake City um, basically take matters into her own hands and saying kids here are gonna wear masks. And and um, and there was there was some political infighting over that, although it it's, it's continues now. Um, but may play out in the legislative season. I, I imagine there's still some some Republican lawmakers who are still unhappy that she she did that. Um, the Democratic mayor. So so there are the the politics of this are very much uh, very much in play, and people have very different yeah. ideas on how it should be handled. And you know the the. Count, the moves and the counter moves are very interesting here because you see the president announce he's going to, to put in place these different uh, mandates and gives these different timelines. You see the leg state legislature swing, mm -hmm. you know, the other way. Um, and then there's there's been this counter swing playing out. And it's a little bit maybe under the radar of some people um, dealing with um, Utah's uh, state OSHA plan. Mm -hmm. And um, and so, you know, Utah has a, a delegated plan, the ability to um, make uh, rules for health and safety for for workers um, that are as effective but maybe slightly different than what the feds would require and that was a lever that was pulled on Utah right. and some other states when when it looked like we weren't going to adopt some of those uh, uh, rules dealing with health care workers that then pulled in a whole bunch of non-COVID mm -hmm. uh, health and safety plan issues that have that have um, had a whole lot of, of kind of different conversations behind the scenes as well and so um, it just goes to show that we're there. There are multiple levers that can be pulled to coerce different types of behavior and outcomes, and those are still very much playing out. Well, they are, and Matt. So they're, they're, some of these are happening straight through legislation. Right. Like what Representative Paul Ray did, or Senator Evan Vickers this past year. The end game bill, for example, when it comes to, the, it seems to be a lever that our legislature does feel like it's their prerogative to pull. Yes, our legislature has decided they don't like the power that the governor has wielded you know, before Governor Gary Herbert, now mm -hmm. Governor Spencer Cox, that they are the ones that decide if we're in an emergency, they're the ones that decide what, how we respond to this. And so they have clawed back some power and the governor has expressed a little bit of concern, but he's largely gone along with it. And so uh, how that, you know, the idea I think the legislature had was that we're at the tail end of a pandemic. This is let's time to move on and and reinvigorate our economy and march forward. And we're here at the end of 2021. And it's I don't think any of us have any idea when the end of the pandemic is going to yeah. happen. But it's clear that the legislature wants that power. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, we got a couple more minutes. Another big issue, another big story that you've covered. You like to talk about. I've got a couple of my own, but anyone else you want to talk about? <laughs> We were, we were talking a little bit before filming about all the things that were so important that, that normally would have been high, high profile. I mean, we have a new governor. Um, you know, we, the Utes are going to the Rose Bowl. Thank you for um, bringing that one up, I, yes. I could not, and, and, and so there's all of these things but, that but we've not gotten to talk about, booming economy, because some of these other stories have just been so dominant for the entire year. Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, and any one of these are just uh, stories that you, that you would cover normally that would occupy a lot of time. Let me give a couple that I'm, I want to talk about. Let's get to the state of Utah for a second on uh, what you just mentioned, our economy. Um, 
record levels of, un, of, of unemployment here in the state, right? So if people want a job, they're largely able to get one. But uh, Lindsay, it's, it's resulted in some big decisions for our legislature because a, there's a lot of money left also. Low unemployment, issues with growth, and then what do they do with the surplus of funds? Talk about that for a moment. Right, I mean, some of these are good problems to have, right? And and, and low unemployment in some ways is has been a little bit of a double-edged sword. It's, it's good that people can get jobs if they want them, but then there are some jobs that that aren't going filled. There's there's a, a nationally we're having a lot of conversations about the great resignation and and labor shortages and we're not unaffected here in Utah. And what's what is the the solution there, especially at the those service jobs that where people are front facing, they're public facing and they don't necessarily pay tons of money. Uh, mm -hmm. It seems like that's a sector that that's having particular challenges around how do you how do you get people into these jobs and, and keep them there. And uh, and so that that's a real challenge and that's going to be, it's good to have growth, it's good to have a strong economy, but it's not as an unalloyed good. There's there's some other things that come along with it. Well, and if you're the legislature and you have this pile of money and then on top of it, you have the federal government pass an infrastructure bill, like, you're going to have even more money. Mm -hmm. And so, it's a lot, we're going to see a lot of conversation about affordable housing. We're going to see a lot of conversation about infrastructure projects, water projects, bridges, if we're going to, you know, get another rail line for front runner. Like there is going to be um, huge investment in our state and it will attract more people. And it will, you know, low unemployment will attract more people. And it just all feeds into this growth that we're seeing. Hey, Kate, maybe as our elected official here at the table, this has got to be something you're hearing about, this this population, this the growth that we are having. We are having robust discussions as local government and with state leaders about affordable housing mm -hmm. and 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 also incentives. How what what industries we're locating here and why and how those two tie together. And it is it is very much a robust discussion that we expect to see legislation on in in the the session. Um, you know, we are bringing more people. It is, it is bringing housing problems that we have seen other states have and trying to figure out what other states did that works that we should adopt, what they didn't do that adopt. I mean, I have a good friend who told me about, um, you know, we all have experienced going to a restaurant and finding it closed because they don't have workers, but a good friend that is with the Manufacturers Association told me about how many openings he's got in those jobs, very mm -hmm. high paying mm -hmm. jobs in Utah manufacturing that are that are short. And so this this alignment of of housing and how we address some of that density, which is always a, uh, you know, an uncomfortable discussion for, for some cities, um, and how the state uh, attracts more jobs and how locals play into that is going to be an ongoing uh, discussion. And um, my, my hope is, of course, that we continue to have those really positive discussions um, because there are these different local nuances that, that need to, to also be factored in about how we maintain the Utah quality of life, why we all love to live here. Mm -hmm. That's gonna have to be the last comment on that. These are big and great stories. I'm so glad you were able to give us some context and for the way you've covered these, these stories too and helped as an elected official to their Kate as well. Thank you for listening to the Hinkley Report. If you enjoy this podcast and want to help more people find out about it, please rate it and leave us a positive review.